Welcome to Freshy Feed, a production of Friendlight Digital Media in partnership with iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Freshy Feeders. Thank you so much for tuning in. In our first episode of 2021, we will be listening in depth when the press conference by the Multi-Ministry Task Force recorded on 22 January 2021, direct from Mothership SG. In the meantime, let us listen to the press conference and enjoy this episode. On our panel today, we have Minister Gan Kim Yong, Minister Lawrence Wong, and Director for Medical Services, Professor Kenneth Mark. May I now invite the ministers to begin with a few words. Minister, please. Thank you. Good afternoon and welcome to this uh, uh, press conference. It has been more than three weeks since Singapore transited to phase three of uh, reopening. As we have indicated before, we expected cases to rise as we open up and allow more interactions among our people. And indeed, in the past two weeks, we have seen an increase in the number of locally transmitted cases. The past week alone, there were an average of three cases in the community a day. We have also seen recently four clusters involving many, uh, mainly workplace and household transmissions. But beyond the numbers, what is worrying is that these cases and clusters reflect a certain degree of complacency. Amongst the community cases in the past two weeks, about three quarters of them were asymptomatic, were symptomatic. Yet half of them had not sought medical treatment after they had experienced symptoms, and some continued to go to work and intermingle within the community. Some may think that given the low number of cases in the community overall, it cannot be me who has COVID-19. While we have built up our contact tracing and testing capabilities to rapidly trace test and ring fence cases, we need the first cases to come forward when they fall ill. Otherwise, they may go on to infect many others before we are able to discover these subsequent cases. This will put their loved ones and colleagues at risk and ultimately jeopardize our efforts to fight the COVID-19 as a community. In view of the rising community cases, the multi-ministry task force has decided that we will need to calibrate the pace and scale at which certain activities in the community can resume. My co-chair, Minister Lawrence Wong, will share more later. The task force will continue to adjust our measures as the local situation evolves. We urge everyone to play our part to stay vigilant and be socially responsible. Even as we adjust our community measures, vaccination is another key strategy in our fight against COVID-19. We are mounting the largest vaccination exercise in our history. Our vaccination efforts are making steady progress. As of this afternoon, more than 60,000 individuals have received their first dose of the vaccine. On 20th January alone, we vaccinated close to 10,000 individuals in a day. These numbers are expected to rise substantially 
in the coming weeks as we continue to ramp up our vaccination capacity and operations while maintaining the highest standards of safety. So far, four vaccination centres are up and running across Singapore and we are preparing to open more even as we speak. Next week, we will reach an important milestone in our vaccination journey as we embark on our first phase of community vaccination for our seniors. From 27 January, we will commence vaccination of our seniors, starting with conducting pilots in Angmokyo and Tanjong Paga, where a larger number of seniors reside. Thereafter, vaccinations will be progressively extended to seniors across the island from mid-February onwards. To pilot the vaccination of seniors in Amokyo and Tanjong Paga, we will set up two vaccination centres at Tegi Community Club and Tanjong Paga Community Club by 1st February. But even before that, from 25th January, seniors residing in Amokyo and Tanjong Paga will be able to book their appointment to be vaccinated at our polyclinics. As this is a pilot, we will send letters to selected seniors in Amokyo and Tanjong Paga to invite them for vaccination and share more details with them. Seniors who need help in booking their appointment need not worry. Community volunteers from the People's Association as well as our Silver Generation Ambassadors will be conducting house visits and tapping on existing grassroots activities to answer queries and help our seniors book an appointment for the vaccination. Seniors in Amokyo and Tanjong Baga can also go to respective community clubs to seek assistance. The People's Association will share more details nearer the date. We will set up more vaccination centres island-wide over the next few weeks to ensure that all Singaporeans and long-term residents can conveniently receive their vaccinations at a centre near their home within, when, their term, when their turn comes. Alongside the vaccination centres, we are also preparing our polyclinics and selected public health preparedness clinics or PHPCs to serve as vaccination centres. But a key factor in the, is the supply of vaccines. Late last week, Pfizer announced that it is upgrading its European factory, and as a result, some countries will receive fewer doses of its vaccines. One of our scheduled shipments has been delayed as a result. As I have mentioned, we must expect this as global demand for vaccine is growing rapidly. We will continue to monitor our supplies closely to meet our target of vaccinating all Singaporeans and long-term residents in Singapore by the end of this year. But we will need to calibrate our rollout in tandem with our supplies. While we have made steady progress on the vaccination front, we must remember that the journey is far from over. Vaccination is but one of a whole suite of measures that must work hand-in-hand hand to keep transmissions low. The key to keeping one another safe lies in each one of us. If we all do our part to adhere strictly to the safe management measures and be socially responsible, we can turn the tide of the rising community cases without having to impose drastic measures. So let us keep up our fight and remain vigilant especially over the coming festive Chinese New Year period. Let me say a few words in Mandarin. 
新加坡进入了第三阶段的解封，到目前已经超过三个星期了。就如我们之前所说，我们在重新开放的时候，我们会允许大家有更多的交流和接触，但是同时呢，病例预料也会增加。在过去的两个星期，我们确实也看到本地传染的病例有所增加，但在过去的这一周，社区的病例平均每天就有三起。另外也出现了四个感染群，主要是在工作场所和家里的传播。但是除了这些数字呢，最更加令人担心的是，这些病例核心感染群凸显了人们在某种程程度上放松了警戒。在过去两周的社区病例中，约有四分之三出现了症状，但是他们当中有一半的人没有去看医生，有一些还继续出外去工作。也在社区里与其他的人交流接触，这些人或许会以为社区病例不多，不可能就是我染上这病吧。基于社区病例的逐渐的增加，跨部门工作小组也决定，我们必须调整某些社区活动可以复苏的速度和规模。黄训才部长接接着下来会分享更多的详情，特别是在这个新春佳节。将到的时候，我们在庆祝新年的当儿，也必须要提高警惕。我们邻近的许多的国家也陆续了加强防范措施，以防病毒再进一步的扩散。所以，我们呼吁国人和我们互相配合，让我们能够安然的度过这个新年。对抗疫情的另外一个重要的环节是接种疫苗。新加坡已经展开我国历史上最大规模的疫苗接种行动。疫苗接种行动目前取得良好的进展，到目前为止已经超过六十六万人注射了第一剂的疫苗，但在本月二十日这一天内，接种人数就将近一万人。下个星期我们将会抵达另一个重要的里程碑。因为我们将要展开首阶段的社区接种行动，首先是为我们的年长者接种疫苗。本月二十七日起，我们会在年长者居民较多的红茂桥区和大荣巴格区试行为年长者接种疫苗。之后，从二月中旬陆续会为其他的选区的年长者提供疫苗的接种。从二月一日起，在德意。呃，民众俱乐部和大荣巴格民众俱乐部内将各设一个新的呃接种中心，为的是让这两区的呃年长者能够进行疫苗的接种。其实，在那之前呢，从本月的二十五日开始，住在红毛红茂桥区和大荣巴格区的年长者，也可以预约到靠近他们住家的综合诊所接种疫苗。由于这这是一项试行型计划。我们会寄信给这两个地区的一些年长者，邀请他们来接种疫苗，也和他们分享更多的详情。那些需要帮忙的年长者也不需要太担心。人民协会的义社区义工以及我们的关怀乐龄大使会开始做家访，也会通过现有的基层活动解答解答大家的提问，帮助年长者预约接种。红茂桥区和大荣巴格区的年长者。也可以到靠近他们住家的联络所寻求援助。
人邪道师会提供更多的详情。我们接着接着下来几周内会在全国设立更多的接种中心，确保所有的国人和长期居民在轮到他们的时候，可以很便利的到他们住家附近的接种中心完成接种。我们在接种疫苗方面所取得的进展令人鼓舞，但是我们必须谨记，保障彼此安全的关键落在我们每一个人的身上。我们必须各尽本分，严格遵守安全的管理措施，并且负起社会责任。我们这样的话，才能够扭转社区病例持续增多的趋势。所以我希望大家能够和我们合作，继续努力对抗疫情。让我们能够保持警惕，安全过年。谢谢大家。Now I'd like to invite DMS to give us a quick update on the medical situation. Thank you very much, Minister. As of today, the 22nd of January, the Ministry of Health has preliminarily confirmed one new case of locally transmitted COVID-19 infection. Based on our investigation so far, that case is in the community, and there are no new cases in the dormitories. In all. There are 14 imported cases who have already been placed on the stay-home notice or isolated upon arrival in Singapore. In total, there are 15 new cases of COVID-19 infection in Singapore today. We're still working through the rest of the details of the cases and further updates will be shared via the MOH press release that will be issued later tonight. Good evening. It's been nearly a month uh, since we entered into phase three of our reopening. And as Minister Gan said just now, we had anticipated then that with more interactions in the community, there was a possibility of more cases emerging. Hence, we had also said that our reopening plans is not a one-way street. It's not just continued reopening because we would have to monitor the situation and make constant adjustments and calibrations to our measures where necessary. So we've seen the latest trends, as you heard just now, and we've seen how new cases and even clusters have emerged in the community. These cases emerge after a lag because we know that there is an incubation period. Whenever a case pops up today, it's really the result of interactions taking place a week or even two weeks ago. So what we are seeing today is really the result of in the increase in activities happening over the new year period, after we entered into phase three. And this is reflected in other indicators too. For example, on a daily basis, we have individuals going to the polyclinics to seek treatment for normal cough and cold or flu-like flu, -like flu uh, acute respiratory infection or having a flu or flu-like symptoms. During the circuit breaker last year, the number of cases going to the polyclinic for ARI cases dropped to an all-time low, just 500 a day. Now that has doubled to 1,000. It's still below pre-COVID norms, but the fact is that the numbers have gone up. And that is simply a reflection that with more interactions, with more human activities, there is an increased chance of transmission of any infectious disease. It can happen with a common cold or normal flu virus. It can happen also 
for COVID-19. And that's why we are very concerned, because compared to, say, a month ago, the, our vulnerability has increased, and the situation can escalate very rapidly, especially with the likelihood of more interactions and activities taking place over the Chinese New Year period. And we only need to recall what happened last year when we indeed saw a spike in cases after Chinese New Year and we had many clusters linked to Chinese New Year gatherings. This was last year. We don't want a repeat of that happening. And that's why we are making a preemptive move now to tighten some of our measures. Currently, the rule is that households can visit can receive up to eight visitors at any time. At any time, you can receive up to eight visitors in your home. This is okay for normal circumstances because under normal circumstances, you would not have so many people visiting your home. But I think for Chinese New Year, this potentially will cause difficulties. Uh, even uh, residents during this period, or over the last few weeks when I'm in my constituency, they have come up to me and asked, is it really the case that I can visit any number of times during Chinese New Year? It sounds rather lax. You know, they, they are not quite sure that you can really visit multiple times a day. Uh, so we think that there is a need to tighten, and the new requirement will be that we limit visits to eight distinct visitors per household per day. And this new requirement, this new rule will begin next Tuesday, 26th of January. If you're going out to do visits, the first, what I mentioned earlier applies to people visiting your home. But if you're going out to do visits yourself, then we would strongly encourage and advise that you limit your visits to not more than two other households per day. Especially during the Chinese New Year period, we would strongly encourage everyone to keep in touch with your friends through, virtually rather than have physical meetings or physical gatherings. And if you do want to have physical visits, limit these visits to your family members only. And at the same time, limit it to not more than two other households per day. Besides home visits, we know that dining out remains an activity that carries some risk because you are without your mask on and you are uh, in a space with many people for some prolonged period of time. That's why we already have rules in place which include keeping your mask on if you are not eating or drinking and ensuring that there's no singing or live performances at F&B establishments. Therefore, all diners must continue to abide by these rules and keep their voices down. There should not be any singing or loud shouting or talking during a meal. And we have to be especially careful during the Chinese New Year period. So if you are out in a restaurant and you want to order Yishan, well, they may serve you the Yishan, but during the Lohe, you have to keep your mask on and there should be no shouting of auspicious phrases by the FMB staff or by the patrons in the restaurant. Likewise, for reunion dinners, you can go out to dine together as a family in a table of eight 
but there should not be any multiple table bookings. This is a current rule, it's an ongoing rule, and we will continue to enforce it. So during this period going forward, we are getting our safe distancing ambassadors and enforcement officers to go out. We will be stepping up our enforcement checks. The officers will be going out to F&B outlets, to shopping malls, and to other crowded public venues. Strict enforcement actions will be taken against any individuals and business operators that breach the safe management measures. The penalties would include fines and prosecution in court, depending on the severity of the offence. And for business operators that breach the rules, their operations will be suspended. So for all businesses, we again remind them to take the rules very seriously, do not take chances, and make sure that there is 100% compliance. The, I think, broader context that we are in right now should be apparent to everyone. The virus is raging everywhere in the world, and including in places all around Asia which have up to now been successful in controlling the infection, many of these places are now seeing new cases emerging, including in Singapore. And that's why around Asia, many regions, many places, China, in Hong Kong, in Taiwan, they too are putting in place curbs and restrictions on Chinese New Year celebrations. So let us be mentally prepared that Chinese New Year this year will not be the same as before. It will be quieter, it will be more subdued, and we will have to be more disciplined in how we go about our daily activities and interactions. The task force will continue to monitor very carefully the infection situation, and we will uh, not hesitate to take additional measures if and when necessary. But we seek everyone's cooperation to uphold all the prevailing measures and the new ones which we have just announced so that we can get through this hump without having to impose any additional drastic measures. Thank you. Questions from the media? Thank you, Ministers and DMS. We will now begin with the Q&A segment. Dear members of the media, please remember to use the raise hand function on Zoom if you would like to ask a question. And a reminder to keep to one question only. If you are called upon, you will be prompted to unmute yourself. Please do so accordingly. May we now have the first question from Timothy from ST. Uh, hi, thank you, Ministers, GMS. Now, I'd like to ask, does the task force, especially the GMS, have any advisories for other CNY customs, such as the exchanging of oranges, pangpaos, and the tossing of yusheng in one's own home, where people may not be wearing masks? Also, earlier, Mr. Wong used words such as should and as much as possible. Why are we not taking a firmer stance on this? Thank you. The, um, what I've highlighted just now include new rules which will be enforced. So, for example, the new rule that there will be a cap of eight distinct visitors per household per day, that will be 
introduced as part of new regulations. That's why it will only start on Tuesday. We need time to promulgate the new regulations, and that will be enforced. And if there are breaches, our enforcement officers will be again doing checks. If there are breaches, then the individuals who breach the new rules will be taken to task. Likewise, when I talk about restaurant settings and the rules around what you should or should not do, including keeping your mask on, not shouting, um, not singing, Many of them are existing rules already. We are clarifying them that indeed in the New Year context, if you have Yishan, Lohe, then there should not be any shouting. There should not be any, um, you know, loud. Uh, you should keep your mask on even when you are doing the tossing of the Yishan. So that is really a clarification of ex existing rules. We will also be enforcing them. And again, if there are breaches, in any restaurant, by any individuals, enforcement actions will be taken. So we are not just talking about advisories. We are putting in place new rules which will be enforced. Beyond that, there are many things which will be hard to enforce. Interactions within a home <laughs> and what happens when you visit and what happens between one another. It's impossible to enforce such um, interactions within the family setting or the home setting. In such instances, it will be really advisory and that's why we have been encouraging everyone to meet virtually, to even go with e-electronic uh, rate packets this year. Uh, but these are things that, good practices that we will continue to encourage and really it's up to individuals themselves to do their part and cooperate with these advisories. Maybe I'll just add that uh, we, uh, we, even with these rules, we mustn't forget uh, the um, uh, advisory that we have given before, how to protect the seniors at home. When you visit your seniors or any other family member, remember to wash your hand when you arrive at the home. Make sure that you keep your mask on as much as possible. But of course, you need to talk to your seniors. You may not have a choice. And you, uh, you may share a meal with your seniors. Uh, you have to remove your mask. That's fine. But Exercise uh, caution, always bear in mind the uh, safety of the seniors uh, in, in your mind so that uh, do what you can to protect them. Uh, practice the basic personal hygiene and if you need to give them uh, oranges or ang pao, for example, make sure you, you wash your hand and you don't uh, pass on the uh, diseases to them, not just COVID-19, any other disease as well. So I think the basic uh, personal hygiene uh, practices should continue despite all the changes in the rules. Thank you, Minister. Can we have the next question from Zipeng from Zaobao, please? Hi, good afternoon, Ministers and DMS. Uh, this is Zipeng from Zaobao. Uh, regarding the cap of eight distinct visitors per household per day, uh, earlier Minister Lawrence mentioned that enforcement actions will be taken. But how exactly are we going to enforce this new rule? For example, um, would enforcement officers be conducting door-to-door -door spot checks? And also for Amokyo and Tanjung Paga, right? How many seniors are expected to be vaccinated for the pilots in these two areas? And after these two areas, what is the exact operational plan to roll out vaccination to seniors in other areas of Singapore? Thank you. Well, for home visits, obviously it's not going to be so easy, but um, the enforcement officers will you know, do random spot checks 
there are also possibilities where neighbours may call up. It has already happened before. We, I mean, we've received feedback from residents during the circuit breaker, for example, or even during phase one. Remember when we were in phase one, there were also rules in place with regard to house visits. So this is not new. Uh, we know it's not easy to enforce. It may not be 100%, right? Because you can't have people everywhere in every home checking 100% of the time. But that we will get feedback from residents themselves. We will be doing random checks. And if, as I said, there are any breaches, enforcement actions will be taken. Uh, let me uh, deal with uh, two uh, pilot projects in uh, Tanjong Paga and uh, Ang Mo Kyo. Uh, in, these, are, these two are pilots, and therefore we will begin uh, carefully, cautiously. In the initial batch, we we'll probably invite uh, between the, Five to 10,000 uh, seniors in each of these uh, two uh, areas. And uh, eventually, uh, you, uh, you, you can take it that we will have to invite everybody, whether seniors or young people, all the residents in Ang Mokyo and Tanjong Paka will be involved in this uh, uh, vaccination exercise. But for the pilot itself, we will start with between five to 10,000. And depending on the response, we may increase uh, the number or we can reduce the number. It will be done progressively. And after the pilot, uh, soon after, after the pilot, from the middle of uh, February, which is uh, in um, two weeks after the pilot has started, we will begin to roll out to the other areas, other uh, precincts, uh, progressively. And we will also set up uh, vaccination centers in these precincts uh, progressively. And as and when the centers are ready, we will then uh, send out uh, letters to invite the seniors to come forward for vaccination. And we also will be setting up uh, grassroots outreach programs to reach out to them to encourage them uh, to make, make a booking for the vaccination. So after the pilot has started, within two to three weeks' time, we'll begin to roll out additional uh, vaccination centres and we'll start to vaccinate uh, progressively uh, uh, the other parts of uh, the island. Thank you, Ministers. Can we now have the next question from Hui Min from CNE Digital, please? Yep. Hi, thanks for taking my question. So uh, my question is not really related to this part here, but um, kind of about the testing of truck drivers, which started today, right? So, you know, today was the first day and there was reports of delays at the checkpoints, even though not everyone was being tested because we're only testing those that come in from Malaysia. So how feasible is it for everyone to be tested every time they drive from Singapore? Because, you know, the, the delays seem quite severe. Thank you. Maybe uh, uh, DMS uh, can give an update on today's operation. Uh, thank you very much for the question. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, ICA uh, as well as the various uh, uh, sector leads uh, have been working very closely to uh, make sure that uh, they carry out testing operations at the causeways uh, with the minimum of disruption and they do uh, understand uh, the impact that testing can have uh, on the uh, smooth running of uh, operations, immigration operations and custom operations at the checkpoint itself. Uh, so far through today, um, the, um, the observations have been that the operations have been conducted relatively smoothly. Uh, more than 500 uh, uh, truck drivers have been tested uh, and uh, we're pleased to uh, inform that so far um, the tests uh, for these drivers have, has been negative. We will continue to be uh, working through our processes to make sure that we improve on them uh, as, uh, so as to make sure that this is not, as, um, not disruptive 
to both the businesses and drivers uh, and that the operations can continue uh, without uh, uh, too much delays at the checkpoints. Uh, so this uh, um, will continue uh, over the next few days and we'll continue to tweak and, uh, and refine those processes. Can, can I just make a quick point on this um, and the broader point about our border measures? We are taking no chances at our borders and we are continuing to keep them tight in terms of the measures that control measures we have in place at across all our checkpoints. Uh, I think in recent days or over the recent weeks, you will see sometimes imported cases being quite high. That's a reflection not so much of the fact that there are more travellers coming into Singapore because the number of travellers coming in you know, day to day doesn't really change very much, but it's a reflection of the increase in the infection rate around us. Because of the higher prevalence, we are seeing a higher incidence of cases amongst the number of the travellers who come through our borders. We have put in place a pre-departure test to screen out some of them, but that's still not effective enough because the virus may be incubating you know, they may test negative overseas, but when they come through, they turn positive. And that's why we have a whole range of very tight control measures, including on-arrival testing at the airports, at all our checkpoints, and now we are extending that to truck drivers across our land checkpoints as well. And then for those travellers who are coming in, we continue to keep the measures tight by having the stay-home notice requirement and making sure that they are in quarantine and then testing them at the tail end of the quarantine. So those border measures remain uh, tight, remain secure, and we will continue to make sure that um, the borders and the measures at the borders are tight. Even as we do that, I think we have to recognize that the virus is circulating within our own community silently. And that's why we cannot let our guard down and we must continue to um, stay vigilant and that's why we have this latest series of tightening in our own community measures in order to help minimize the risk of transmission. Thank you, Minister and DMS. Can we have the next question from Stefania of the Financial Times? Hi, good afternoon. Um, I was uh, wondering about the Pfizer delay that you mentioned. Uh, could you tell us how much the uh, Pfizer delivery will be delayed by uh, and how many doses we are talking about? And I understand that you're saying that ultimately it won't necessarily dent the overall uh, objective of vaccinating everyone by sort of fourth quarter of this year, but specifically for uh, this delayed batch, uh, how much of a delay will or a knock-on effect will it have in terms of the uh, uh, administering of the vaccine in the shorter to medium term for you? Uh, as I explained earlier, I will not be able to give you specific numbers, but I can share with you that uh, this uh, particular shipment that has been delayed uh, is scheduled to arrive in time for our uh, vaccination program rollout uh, plan. Uh, but I, the important point to remember is that this is the first time that we are seeing delays as a result of the manufacturing uh, plant being uh, renovated, upgraded. There will be other reasons for delay in time to come. It could be uh, higher demand from other countries which have a 
huge outbreaks which may need them more urgently. So the manufacturers may divert some of the supplies to other areas or the production may have interruptions from time to time. Shipment may also, logistics arrangement may also be interrupted but may be disrupted from time to time. So there are a lot of uncertainties. So we have, uh, as I explained, we have made purchases, advanced purchases from diverse sources of supplies, different vaccine suppliers, and supplies will, are scheduled to come into Singapore over a period of time. And our vaccination programs is, plan, is planned based on the arrival schedules. And of course, we have some buffer so as to ensure that our vaccination program can progress as smoothly as possible, but we must expect disruptions from time to time. And uh, therefore, I would urge Singaporeans, when your turn comes for the vaccination, please do make an appointment early, uh, because there will always be a possibility of a disruption as we go along, as, as we move uh, forward. Thank you, Minister. Can we have the next question from Elaine of Central News? Is News agency, please. Uh, hi, Minister. Uh, I would like to ask about the updates of the uh, review of two other vaccines that Singapore has uh, made purchase on. Can we expect like uh, when the result will, be, uh, will come out? And also, can you uh, let us know that um, when can we expect the vaccine program be extended to like other long-term residents here in Singapore? Thank you. Thank you very much for, for the question. Uh, the Health Sciences Authority uh, presently uh, is engaged in the review of the other uh, vaccines. Um, they had uh, approved the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, Pfizer vaccine under the Pandemic Special Access Route uh, previously, and the other vaccines uh, that have been uh, uh, reviewed uh, are also being processed along the same framework. Uh, we anticipate uh, that we would have a decision made soon uh, in our evaluation for one of the vaccines. The other vaccine, uh, I understand uh, uh, we, we are still uh, clarifying further details uh, with the uh, uh, company that produces uh, the vaccine, and we are hopeful that if uh, we are able to get all the information necessary for evaluation, then HSA can complete its uh, review process and then uh, give uh, approval for um, the, the other vaccines as well. Uh, so uh, we are very close to coming to a decision uh, for the next vaccine and we will make the relevant announcements uh, as, uh, as uh, uh, HSA makes that uh, uh, approval known to us. With regard to your question on uh, when are we going to start vaccinating uh, the rest who are non-seniors, other uh, residents in Singapore, uh, I should add that um, uh, even as we roll out the vaccination for uh, seniors, we have actually started vaccinating uh, the younger population, especially those who are on the front line. Healthcare workers, for example, we have already uh, started uh, quite long. Uh, there, there was a first batch, in fact, and then followed on by uh, frontline workers who are non-healthcare workers. And we are also progressing to uh, vaccinate those who are in the essential services that we need to ensure that they maintain our uh, basic services. And we have also started uh, vaccinating, uh, vaccinating some of our SAF personnel, as uh, you have read in the papers today. And uh, therefore, it's a progressive uh, uh, program that we will continue to roll out our vaccination program uh, for the general public, as well as uh, essential uh, workers 
and essential, uh, essential per personnel, including our frontline workers. So they are running in parallel, and as time goes on, we will expand both our vaccination for the senior as well as the younger population. Thank you, Minister and DMS. Can we now have the next question from polling of Channel 8, please? Hi, Ministers. Okay, I would like to clarify on the point that you guys made on eight distinct visitors per household per day. Do you mean that in any one, does this mean that at any one day, in a day, a household can welcome eight different visitors? Because we know that during Chinese New Year, people usually stay for very long hours. So does it mean that I can visit in the morning, then I come back at night, but it's the same people? I, I don't know how it works. And also whether the visitors can overlap in terms of timing. Like, I have two families coming at 2 p.m. at the same time. Is this allowed? I think the rules are very clear. It's just eight persons, distinct persons per day. Right? We never set any stipulations on timing or length of visits, but it's eight distinct individuals within the day to a particular household. Uh, so, I mean, it goes back to, I think, but the mindsets and the mindset goes back to what we've always been emphasizing. For every rule that we set, please do not try and optimize your maximum gain around the rule as though this is something that you could you know, gain some additional benefit out of it. Because in the end, the more you try to optimize by having more exposure, more interactions, in the end, you are putting yourself and your loved ones at risk. So we again appeal to everyone, understand the principle and the underlying reasons and rationale for these rules. It is to reduce interactions. So for an elderly who's at home, you don't really want that person to be exposed to multiple individuals. Or if you say the person comes morning, goes out and comes back again in the evening, it's just more exposure to the elderly person. So the underlying principle must be let's reduce exposure to one another because the more exposure we have, the more interactions we have, the higher the chances of uh, transmitting the virus to one another, even in a, a, um, without knowing it because the virus can spread in, in ways that uh, may not be obvious to many of us. There could be hidden transmission, asymptomatic transmissions. So understand the reasons why we are putting this in place and we seek everyone's cooperation to minimize their um, visits and if they do need to visit to keep their exposure as short as possible. Thank you Minister. Can we now have the next question from Chin Sen of today? Hi Ministers, uh, Sen from today here. Uh, my question is, what are you hoping to glean out from these pilot vaccination programs? And what are the things that are still quite unknown about vaccinating a population that you hope to actually learn? And whether this vaccination program is a two-dose kind of a vaccination program, you're hoping to roll it up to the 10,000 people, two doses rather than just one dose. And a second uh, related note is, I noted in the press release that it said 39 NCID staff have completed two doses. Uh, my understanding is that there were 40 who went through the first uh, round of vaccination. So what happened? Uh, maybe i ask DMS to uh, respond to the uh, issue on the vaccinated uh, numbers. 
Uh, well, I'm going to answer both uh, your questions. I'll start first with the pilots. Uh, the purpose of the pilots is to make sure that the processes we put in place are, are robust enough uh, that uh, when we now start dealing with a larger group of people coming to the vaccination center to be vaccinated, uh, that this will be a smooth, efficient process, but also at the same time a safe process for all that come forward for vaccination. Each site where we uh, uh, set up a vaccination uh, facility has its own unique challenges because the location is a bit different. We started out with vaccination facilities in our hospitals, and in the hospitals, there were uh, ready facilities uh, that we could use uh, to provide uh, safe care. Uh, and there was a lot of staff that were present. We also uh, performed vaccinations at our polyclinics that required a different set of uh, uh, design of the, the facilities, given that the space constraints within the polyclinic were very different compared to in the hospitals. And as we set up the vaccination centers, uh, this uh, required us to uh, design uh, the uh, uh, placement and location of the stations uh, to maximize the use of space to accommodate uh, a larger group of people coming in, but at the same time to make sure that the vaccinations were safe. Now we are talking about pilots where we want to bring seniors coming into the vaccination centers, and seniors will have their own uh, challenges. Some may have mobility issues. Others may have other concurrent medical conditions that require a lot more attention to be paid to ensure that we can observe them safely and, and have them uh, 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 looked after properly within the vaccination centers. And that requires us then to uh, uh, work out those processes uh, through these uh, two pilots. Once we are confident that the uh, processes are, 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 are tweaked and are optimized, and we are confident that we can uh, look after our seniors properly, we are uh, then going to roll this out, opening up new uh, centers, scaling up the capacity for vaccinations with each center, and then uh, increase the throughput for vaccination for seniors uh, in all the centers that we set up. So that uh, explains why we still need to carry out uh, several other pilots uh, as we open up for a new uh, group of uh, our population that uh, is to be vaccinated. Uh, you're right that we started out with uh, uh, about 40 healthcare workers being vaccinated. Uh, we have recommended that they should have uh, their vaccination, the second dose of vaccinations 21 days later, but it's not always possible to, uh, for individuals to come uh, in and have that done exactly and on that same day uh, for a variety of different reasons. Some people may be working uh, at that point in time, uh, and therefore uh, when we actually uh, um, had the original cohort of uh, staff that came from uh, NCID having their vaccinations. Uh, it turned out that we had 39 being vaccinated on that first day, but I'm quite optimistic that the, the remaining uh, healthcare worker will eventually also get uh, vaccinated. It's just a matter of scheduling. And uh, the difference in dates uh, does not um, lead to any significant impact uh, in the uh, benefit of vaccination for the healthcare staff. Uh, it's a scheduling issue, and it's also when they are available to come forward to get that second dose done. Thank you. I should just add that uh, one of the purpose of the pilot is also to ensure that because the target group the, for the first batch are the seniors and we will also need to test our messaging, our explanation, our outreach to make sure that we are able to reach out to them. As I mentioned, I think during the previous uh, press conference that uh, seniors is a, is a very challenging group for us because many of them uh, are stay, staying at home. They don't come out because of the COVID-19 situation. So it's not so easy to reach out to them. And this is one of the areas that we want to also pilot in conjunction with the People's Association, how we can effectively reach out to this group of seniors to share, to explain to them the process 
and to help them go through the process. The lessons that we learned from this pilot will then be uh, implemented in subsequent uh, vaccination efforts that we roll out. So this way, uh, for the subsequent batches of seniors, it will be a much easier and more simpler uh, process uh, for them that has been tested, and uh, this is, will give us more confidence in rolling out the programs at uh, a larger scale for the seniors in time to come. Thank you, Minister and DMS. May we now have the next question from Shahida of Barita Haryan, please? Hello, hi. Uh, good evening, panelists. Uh, Shahida here from BH. Um, Minister Wong, just now you mentioned that you know you will not hesitate to take additional measures. So, um, question is, what is the threshold in terms of local community infection? Um, will the task force, you know, um, take a look before the task force consider adding um, uh, additional uh, restrictions ahead of CNY? Um, also, in terms of uh, surveillance testings uh, given to stallholders and delivery riders, does that mean that um, uh, these group of people will also be given priority for vaccination. Thank you. Um, thank you. Uh, you know, I thank you for the question. I almost feel a sense of deja vu because um, we had to entertain a lot of these questions last year when we were talking about potentially looking at different sets of measures and the indicators that might lead to a further step up of measures. And we are, we are back in, in the same conversation again at the start of this new year. And the answer, as we have given before in the last year, applies this year too. We do not look at any single measure. We have to look at a range of indicators. Obviously, we will look at the number of cases each day, especially the unlinked ones. Right? The cases that come up and emerge for example, if there are already cases that are under quarantine because of our contact tracing. In that sense, you know, it's quite different from some new case that emerges completely unlinked, which might suggest a new unlinked cluster. So we will look at that as one indicator. Uh, we continue to test everyone that reports uh, to the doctors, GPs and polyclinics with acute respiratory infections. We test them. And we also use that as a surveillance indicator. If that indicator goes up over time, again, it's cause for concern. And we look at the prevailing safe management measures and compliance with the safe management measures, uh, that if people are keeping to the, the measures, then it gives us some confidence that uh, there is discipline, there's control, and people are complying. But if there is a lot of non-compliance, then there is, a, again, a cause for concern. So we look at these range of you know, different measures and based on the overall assessment, we, you know, based on the latest situation and assessments, we will then consider whether or not additional restrictions or measures might be necessary. Uh, so that's the way we would deal with, uh, that's the way we have dealt with things, the, the infection all, all this while from the outset and we will continue to do so. In terms of prioritization for vaccinations, we have prioritized front healthcare and frontline workers, but particularly the ones who are at the border checkpoints, because they are the ones who are potentially more at risk, right? And that would include workers in our airport, workers in the maritime sector. It would also include 
workers in the wholesale markets, for example, that interface with some of the delivery uh, riders coming from Malaysia. So our key issue, the key priority, right, is to make sure that these workers who are in our new front line, they are the ones who are serve, um, doing essential work to keep things going, to keep life going in Singapore, but they are exposed to travellers, they are exposed to crew from overseas, truck drivers from overseas, and therefore they are at risk of bringing the virus into the community. And that's why we are putting them as priority. Thank you, Minister. May we now have the next question from Evgeny of Itatas, please. Uh, good evening. Thank you. Uh, now, uh, numbers of countries are considering to introduce uh, so-called vaccine passports. Uh, what is your position on this issue? And uh, do you have a plan to require foreign travelers to be vaccinated before entering to Singapore? Thank you. Well, I think the key question for us is not so much to have a vac vaccination passport per se, but we have to think very hard about what sort of benefits would we confer a vaccinated individual, particularly with regard to travel. And this would apply to travellers from overseas coming into Singapore, as well as Singaporeans who want to travel outbound and then come back home after that. And as we have said before, we are studying this particular uh, issue very carefully. If indeed the vaccin vaccination confers not only protection for the individual, but confers protective, uh, sterilizing immunity in the sense that it also helps to reduce transmission risk of the virus to another individual, then there is a chance that we will um, consider reducing the quarantine or stay-home notice requirement for vaccinated individuals. And that would apply to any vaccinated individual from overseas or a Singaporean who is vaccinated wants to travel out and then come back thereafter. So it's still something that we are studying. There are some early results from other countries suggesting that there is um, the, the, a good chance that the, the vaccine can, provide, can produce antibodies in the vaccinated individual and it can, have, uh, it can reduce transmission risk. I think Israel did a study of the vaccinated individuals and they found a very high level of antibodies generated, which suggests that the, uh, there is a, a significant reduction in transmission risk when you are vaccinated. But these are still early days. We are still studying the data and the evidence very carefully before we make any decisions on this matter. Thank you, Minister. We will now take the last three questions. Next, can we have Nigel from Mothership, please? Hi, hi Ministers and DMS. I have two questions relating to home visits. Uh, for the first one, can I follow up on what Minister Lawrence Wong said about random spot checks by enforcement officers? I believe this is something that we have uh, not experienced before in the previous phases. So just want to find out about, uh, about the random spot checks. Um, the second question, right, is about the individuals being limited to visiting two other households uh, per day. 
So just want to check whether this is a strict limit or whether the two household limit is an advisory, which is going to be left to individual's discretion. Thank you. Uh, random spot checks have been done before. Uh, it's not new. So we did it in the past as well when we had rules and limits on house visits. And, and so it, we will continue to do so. But as I said, this, this is not something that is going to be so easy to do. We acknowledge it. And that's why, again, we call on everyone to cooperate and to do their part. And obviously, some of the checks will be done, will be, mot will be sort of um, precipitated by feedback that agencies receive from time to time. Right? Again, this is not new. We had that experience during the circuit breaker, during phase one. And, and so we are adopting a similar posture. It's not a new thing. On the advisory or on, on outgoing, I, I talked about the incoming rule where the household can only receive up to eight distinct visitors per household per day. That's a new requirement. We are putting that in place and regulations will be enforced. On outgoing visits, uh, it's much, much harder to enforce outgoing, right? And therefore, it will be an advisory and we are strongly advising everyone if you are going out to visit keep it to not more than two other households per day, and particularly during the Chinese New Year period, limit the visits to your family members only. Uh, it's, you know, we, we have done, we, we have had instances where we have strongly advised Singaporeans to, uh, you know, to, to do what's sensible. Remember during the circuit breaker where we talked about uh, going out by yourself, alone. Don't go out in more than one person. Just If you have to go out to exercise for grocery shopping, go out alone. Uh, that was not a regulation. It was an advisory. But many Singaporeans, many people in Singapore understood the importance, the necessity for such a measure and complied with the advisory and did their part, they cooperated. So again, for this new advisory, we call on everyone to cooperate and to do their part to help us keep the infection under control so that together we can avoid having to impose further drastic measures down the road. Thank you, Minister. Can we have a next question from Cheryl of CNA, please? Good evening, Ministers and DMS. Um, I would like to check why we are starting the eight-person rule uh, relatively early on the 26th of January, given that uh, Chinese New Year is uh, in, uh, in the 11th of February. And also for the seniors, is there any reason why we are not perhaps starting with uh, nursing homes? And also given that we are starting with seniors, could you also paint us a picture as to how the booking process will look like? Are we using SingPass, for instance? Thank you. So the, the new rule for home visits really arises from not just the concern about upcoming Chinese New Year, but it also arises from concern of what we have seen and the experience that we have seen so far up to now. As I said, the recent increase in cases in the community didn't just happen out of nowhere. They are the result of increased interactions taking place over the New Year period. And there should be no doubt. I mean, all of us looking around, watching, observing our interactions, 
it's quite obvious. Interactions have gone up. Uh, we knew this would happen because this, this is part of phase three, right? And we, it, it is deliberate. It was meant to happen. But with interactions comes greater risk, and therefore we have to watch the situation very carefully. And that's why, based on the recent cases that we have seen, based on the concern highlighted earlier that we are seeing increased signs of complacency in the community about the transmission risk, we think it is timely to make a preemptive move now and not wait till Chinese New Year. But we don't want to take any chances. We do a preemptive move now. We tighten our measures. And again, we call on everyone to cooperate with them. Uh, for the nursing home, I think you asked about whether we are vaccinating the nursing home uh, residents. In fact, we have started uh, vaccinating nursing home residents. I think earlier on when uh, Minister Wong and I visited Kong Wai Siu Hospital to uh, get uh, vaccinated and to look at the vaccination of the uh, healthcare workers, I mentioned that nursing home residents will be uh, vaccinated right after the nursing home uh, staff have been vaccinated. So uh, earlier this week, we have started vaccinating the nursing home residents. And this program will continue as we uh, move forward. I can ask uh, uh, DMS to talk about the registration uh, uh, approach for the seniors when they need to make a booking. Uh, yes, with regard to registration, uh, we're working through those processes uh, with uh, the People's Association. Uh, as well as the grassroots uh, organizations, uh, they have uh, uh, a better understanding of uh, uh, the different ways in which we can reach out to our seniors, uh, bearing in mind that not all seniors are ambulant and not all seniors uh, are actually uh, moving out of their homes at this point in time. Uh, so we would uh, uh, move out and use a variety of different ways to um, allow them to be registered. Not all seniors are IT savvy and therefore it would not uh, be uh, necessary, the best way to only depend on SingPass for or similar technologies for registering them. We hope to uh, use a variety of different approaches uh, in order to provide uh, better access for all these seniors to the registration and booking for vaccination uh, slots. Uh, so this is something that we are uh, fine-tuning at this point in time, and we hope to be ready to uh, announce how this will be done as we launch the pilots uh, in Amokyo as well as in Tanjongpaga. Just to add, uh, essentially we will send a letter to the, all the seniors that will be invited to make a booking for their vaccination and the detailed instructions will be in the letter that we will send to them. Uh, uh, it will be quite similar to what they do today for booking an appointment at the polyclinics or to see a doctor at the hospital. It's similar, but uh, again, because these are seniors, some of them may not be so savvy with uh, uh, technology or internet. So therefore, we are going to uh, tap on the people associations, volunteers, and grassroots organizations to reach out to them to help them. And for those who have a, a problem or have questions or need help, they can also go down to the CC nearest to them. And the CC, uh, the community club staff have been trained how to help them uh, make a booking uh, for the vaccination. I think this way we try to uh, speed up the process, keep the process simple, and yet because we need to scale them we will need to find ways to make it as seamless, as seamless as possible. Thank you, Minister and DMS. We will take the final question from Eugene Simin Daily News, please. Thank you, Minister and DMS. Uh, this is Eugene here from Shimin. 
Um, as in the press release, it said that as of today, more than uh, 60,000 individuals have received their first dose of uh, the vaccine. So um, just wanted to find out from uh, the ministry whether you have received any reports of the recipients develop any amount to serious uh, side effects. And then do you have any breakdowns of what are the common side effects that have been seen in Singapore? Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for the question. Uh, we have a process for uh, uh, tracking uh, adverse effects, uh, adverse events uh, as uh, they arise, uh, and this uh, goes through the uh, institutions which perform the vaccinations, uh, as well as uh, other doctors who may see patients who have had vaccination and have, have had uh, any adverse effects. These are sent to the Health Sciences Authority, who has a pharmacovigilance program to uh, receive these reports and then to process them. Uh, any adverse event uh, uh, reports are reviewed by expert uh, panels within HSA uh, to determine the severity of these adverse events. And uh, there's also uh, uh, reports that then would be sent to the Ministry of Health, uh, where we will also uh, consult our experts to determine whether or not we need to uh, adjust our uh, list of indications or precautions that need to be taken for vaccination. So that's, uh, in general, the process uh, which uh, we uh, have put in place for tracking adverse events. Uh, there have been some reports uh, that have come in, but we are in the process of collating uh, and compiling these reports, submitting them to the expert panel for uh, review uh, and recommendations. Uh, and as soon as we are able to uh, get those recommendations out and we have uh, uh, organized and categorized uh, these adverse events, we will be then able to publicize and inform uh, uh, you what uh, those adverse events are. Uh, in general, uh, the majority adverse events uh, bo uh, in, uh, in the various uh, countries have launched vaccination programs. Uh, most of these uh, adverse events are, are very mild. Um, they generally uh, are local reactions that take place that includes uh, pain, redness, swelling, uh, soreness of the muscles where an injection had taken place. There are some who have reported previously uh, fatigue, uh, more generalized muscle aches and fever. Many of these uh, uh, symptoms, in fact, reflect the body's immune system responding to the vaccine uh, uh, dose that has been injected in them. Uh, and there will be some that may have more serious side effects, uh, which include allergic reactions uh, of a variety of different grades of severity. But as I mentioned, uh, we are still categorizing and compiling uh, the, uh, the data. Uh, and once we have that uh, uh, properly organized, we will uh, provide an update. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.